Hi, this is Libby. And this is Roberta. And this is Art Blog Radio. This morning we're speaking with Matt Giel. Matt Giel's a photographer, and his photo installations were included in the recent show Duet at Grizzly Grizzly. In that show, Matt's work was a scroll of a continuous print of the ocean and sky, 305 feet long, was mostly rolled up. It was a running line of seascape that snaked around the room like a chair rail. We're interested in Giel's impulse to make his photographic work sculptural. So, Matt, thanks for being with us this morning. Tell us about your decision to photograph the ocean and then make it seem endless in your linear photo that's 305 feet long. Well, I'm really engaged in uh, thinking about the photograph as an object. And I suppose that's something of a reaction to the digital age we live in where so many photos are electronic bytes out there in cyberspace or on a memory, memory card. So the 305-foot photograph... The ocean seemed like an appropriate subject matter for that since it's uh, any direction you look is the horizon, kind of the perfect, perfect subject. And so the 300-foot length, that was um, just an uncut roll of paper that I got. That's how it was produced. And you had it taped to the wall, if I'm... Yes, yeah, about 20 feet of it. 20 feet of it was taped to the wall, and there are some fingerprints on it that actually are visible in the ocean. So tell us about the fingerprints. and, and The them. fingerprints were um, kind of an evidence of uh, the process and how I created the piece, where it was done in a dark room, and I had a negative projected. For about three hours, I pulled the paper underneath the enlarger light to expose it, creating inconsistency. Three or four hours? About three hours. You pulled the paper through the enlarger. I'm just trying to get my mind around Yeah, so underneath, just moved it at a a steady pace. But if I go too fast, then it turns out light. If I go too slow, it turns, turns dark. So there's like little inconsistencies. And so the fingerprints were when I didn't pull my hand out from underneath the light. So it leaves a little record there. And are you happy about those inconsistencies? What do they mean to you? I like the inconsistencies, definitely. Um, I think it'd be rather boring if it was just the same thing. I hope to elicit a reaction knowing that there's still 280 feet that you can't see. And it's sort of similar to the ocean where you watch the waves come in and each one is different, but it's kind of the same. I'm a little confused. Okay. Are, are, is, there, <laughs> is there more than one version of this piece? There are three counting a piece that's... The initial one I did was too fast, so there's this really light 150-foot scroll, which was in the MFA show, Rowan University. And then the 300-foot piece is the latest one. And that was created at the Crane. Tell us about at that. At the University of Delaware Gallery for the show Without End in September... I built a darkroom inside of the gallery during the reception for three hours. I printed the piece and allowed gallery visitors to come in and watch me do it. And so this makes the piece sort of a performance? The piece at the crane was a performance, and then the piece at Grizzly, I guess, was the object that was created. But they feel like a record of a performance to me. The fact that you put your hand in it 
mm-hmm. um, makes me feel like it's partially about your body and your position in relation to the art? It's definitely a performance. I'm taking a very untraditional approach. Yeah, talk about object making, because I believe you have an undergraduate degree. Was that in photography? Photography and a minor in sculpture. Sculpture. So talk to us about your object making and your relationship to photography as an object. I've made my work more sculptural because it stemmed from why I like to work in the darkroom as opposed to digital. And like I like to be in there holding the paper, holding the negatives, controlling the light. I used to print non-objective things, sometimes without camera negatives, just playing with the light and the paper. So it came from the process. Um, I went to a talk you gave, and you said something really interesting about why you chose the ocean. And it wasn't just about its limitlessness. It was about the ordinariness of the shot. Can you talk about that a little? Yes. So the uh, pictures of the ocean that I that I shoot, I purposefully try to make them really conventional and follow one-third water, two-thirds sky, and just have it be this image that is really, really familiar. I don't want the viewer focusing on, like, what the image means. It's more the whole package of, you know, how does this image relate to the object or how is space being used. So what do you think about Kodak now being in bankruptcy, given your reliance on kind of old-school technology that they produced? Right. I mean, I'm, I'm not surprised that they filed for bankruptcy. And it has been harder over the past five years to get material. What material in particular? The film? Is that what's Different paper sizes and maybe different paper surfaces. The chemicals, are they routinely available? I think there might be less, but there's still enough out there that I can get. So you're not worried long-term in the future? Ten years from now, I doubt I'll be able to do color darkroom. Does that trouble you, and what are you going to do? I don't know. Daguerreotypes? Black and white? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I I think there's still um, chemical photography that'll happen. It's it's available. I think I can stretch it out for at least five years if I had to stockpile a lot of stuff right now and then run through it. And what do you do? Um, what is it that you do what, what to do make a living? <laughs> yes. Still working I, are on you that. getting rich on your art? <laughs> no, no. No, the sales aren't really pouring in. But uh, <laughs> no, I'll work as an artist assistant or a photographer assistant, and I'll document artwork for artists. Mm-hmm. So, who do you work for? Um, I've done work for uh, Tim Belknap. I helped him construct the spaceship and brought the equipment to the schools for the uh, Skype broadcast. And I've uh, shot work for different faculty, people um, from University of Delaware, commercial photographers in the area. And are you using a are you using a digital camera for that sort of stuff, or are you using a, a documenting film? work? I shoot digitally. Film just want to be practical. It's <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't miss it's taking tough. slides. I I've had to do that, and it's really expensive and. There's that anticipation of, oh, did did it come back right or not? So are you, let's go back to selling. That word came into the conversation a few minutes ago. You know, pricing work, especially sculptural photography, I don't know if there are any paradigms out there for pricing what you're doing. A lot of these aren't even additioned or, you know, they're one-of-a-kind objects. 
And I guess I would just compare it to other work that seems really impractical to hang in your house. <laughs> <laughs> and what that means is, yeah, I don't figure on selling a lot of what I'm doing at this point, but that's okay. Have you thought even if somebody said to you, what would you charge for this? Have you had, do you have any price in your mind? I have a price in mind. And what is it? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe 2000 I don't know, something in that range. Mm -hmm. So um, do you read theoretical things or arts things at all? Are you a big reader of theory? Taken a little bit of a break since grad school. <laughs> I look at a lot of art. Do you? Yeah, yeah. Anything you like in particular? Do you look at photography? Do you go out and seek out the photo shows? or Some photo shows. I'm really interested in sculpture and installation right now. I don't get out and see every photo show that's really traditional 2D framed work hanging on a wall that is a series of things. Um, there's a few artists that work similarly to me, and whenever they're showing, I'll definitely. And who is that? Uh, Marlo Pascual. She uh, she went to Tyler, and she shows at Sean Kelly. And she's not making darkroom work, but she is making photographic sculptural work. Uh, Waleed Beshti is another person that I that I look at a lot. James Welling. So. Um... Philadelphia seems to have a really thriving photography community these days. There are the, uh, we have our blue chip gallery, uh, 339, and we have at least two, if not more, photo centers that have, one of them has a dark room, the other has a digital processing center. What do you think of Philadelphia as a photography community? Uh, I'm still getting to know the community, I would say. How long have you been here? Not very long. Oh, seven years. Oh. Yeah, I know. I've just been a bit of a hermit for the first five, I suppose. <laughs> I assumed you were down in Newark, Delaware, because you were doing your MFA down No, there. I lived here uh -huh. at that time. I've been in this apartment for five years. As far as the community, though, I think it's it's definitely great that there's Project Basho and PPAC and the different galleries, and it seems like there has been a lot of photo stuff showing. Huh. So when you're doing these things that require you to stand in front of the um, your machinery, whatever you call it, your developer, for a really long time, do you listen to music or something, something that lets you occupy your mind at the same time? I'll usually just turn on WKDU. When I was printing for the Grizzly show, it seemed like every night there was uh, reggae music on, so I was just sort of had it on in the background and it has a vibe for doing repetitive work yeah, doesn't yeah, it definitely. <laughs> well thank you for talking to us we've been talking to matt gill in his studio which is in powelton village thank Thanks. you for having me thank Thanks. you very much it was great art blog radio is brought to you by theartblog.org Thanks to our sponsors, including the Knight Foundation. Also, we want to thank Peter Crimmins, who makes us sound good. He's our editor. And thanks to Eric Biondo for his music. You can download these podcasts at theartblog.org slash radio.